Folks, remember, for all your tree service, well, you want to call Yankee Tree. Call them today, 401-439-6028. Yankee Tree Service, yankeetreeservice.com. What can they do? They do it all. Tree trimming. Experts based right in Lincoln. Tree removal since 2006 and also 24-7 emergency service available. Call Yankee Tree Service today, 439-6028. 439-6028. Whether it's tree removal, stump grinding, tree pruning, emergency service, bucket truck at service, and bobcat service. Since 2006, they've been performing tree removal service on top of that. Nothing stumps. Yankee Tree Service, they provide stump grinding. Enjoy your landscape without the eyesore. As far as pruning, well, let them get up there. Oftentimes a tree can be pruned instead of cutting it down. At Yankee Tree Service, their licensed arbiters help you decide what's best, the treatment plan for your tree. And maybe it's an emergency service. Did something come down? Call them today, 439 6028 439 6028 if they have to they get right up there in the bucket yankee tree service since 2006 tree trimming experts give them a call 439 6028 or online at yankeetreeservice.com you're listening to the john DePetro show folks it's monday good morning it's am 1380 99.9 fm on this monday it's august 29th Hope everyone had a uh, good weekend. It is back to school for certain districts uh, around the state and even the colleges. I'm getting email from people at Rhode Island College saying that mass are back at Rhode Island College. I, um, it could be the case. I'm, I'm requesting from uh, people that have sent that to me to, um, to they, you know, how was it, how were they, how was it communicated to them that that, that has to happen? So we'll follow that I, again I, I don't know what to it's a state building i'm not exactly sure um why that would be happening that way so we'll try to um get some information about that now uh things are really heating up folks first of all early voting is already going on and we're not going to have a a good sense um i think as we get closer apparently you can track the ballots online dan mcgowan of the boston globe uh, points that out now there was some back and forth over the weekend. I will tell you that I, I agree with those that are saying that it's a mistake for Governor McKee to be making a big deal. Um, I, I give Nellie Gobea credit for doing that commercial where she, you know, goes after, um, where she basically goes after Governor McKee for being um, the subject of an FBI probe. And as much as um, as much as the governor is squawking about one of the sources that was used, one of the sources that was used, um, there's nothing wrong about what Secretary uh, of State Nellie Gobey is, is saying about, um, you know, saying about Governor McKee in this investigation. So it, as much as he, he's made a lot about it in and he's out with a new commercial and saying it won't play in, in Rhode Island and blah, blah, blah. Um, I, I, I still come back to that. It, it is true. They're, they're just, I mean, I, I think they're, they're punching in the wind trying to say that. And he, he's slamming saying these new false attacks. But the, the fact of the matter is there there is an FBI probe of his administration. So... This business of, you know, she's she's using extreme MAGA Republicans to make false attacks. That's 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 not true. Here is the the commercial. And the name of it, by the way, is Misleading, which is a good title for the governor's commercial. The campaign is getting desperate, using extreme MAGA Republicans to make false attacks. Her ad was taken off the airwaves because she got caught lying. Rhode Islanders know better. Dan McKee always puts Rhode Island first. He led one of the nation's strongest post-pandemic economic recoveries, signed one of the toughest gun safety laws in America, and took action to protect abortion rights for Rhode Island women. Lies and false attacks. It's the worst kind of politics. I'm focused on what's best for Rhode Island. Now, I'll say this. Um, you know, that's a that's a good response, Ed. Uh, Nellie Gobea, you, you would think they're going to come out with something like that 
you think that she would want to make sure that she has the right message in and not have to what what really threw things off is just the fact that then Gorbet had to redo the commercial uh because then and again I, I i don't understand that other than mistakes are made i'm not certainly not making excuses for her um that they're not debating until next week this is so late into the game they're doing a channel 12 debate i don't know what to make of it and now the the rhode island state police union is out with a endorsement for governor mckee today and i i'm going to tell you on this monday i just think that reflects just how broken the state is i mean for crying out loud the, the guy and it's nothing this is not a personal thing against dan mckee former mayor of cumberland you know seems to have a, a lovely family first lady sue mckee and then he's got his two seemingly very nice children but out there working for their dad and then he's got his lovely mom they're playing cards in the kitchen but but the fact of the matter is the guy that that's not wrong he is the subject of an fbi probe so i i in in has been and he is just giving away the state he is the the trail of ious are going to be so expensive if he wins the primary and then whether or not if he can win the general so now I also want to touch on um, the latest situation with President Trump because, folks, you can't. I know a lot of people like to do ostrich head in the sand. I'll talk about some of the other races coming up, but the latest now, let's go to some of the sound. This week with George Stephanopoulos, it's tough to argue against this. Uh, what John Carl is saying is kind of, well, like I said, it's tough to argue against it. He, the, the, the legal people representing President Trump are like just completely inept. And I don't know what, what what the drill is, but listen to this from uh, yesterday. I saw the affidavit this week. Uh, I know you've been, you've been in touch with the Trump world. They are worried about this. Yeah, look, publicly what they're saying is this is rallying Republicans to Trump's defense. This makes it more likely that he will run for president, more likely that he will win the Republican nomination, campaigning against this political action by the FBI and the DOJ. Privately, they are really concerned. And one of the big concerns here is that Trump has nobody defending him. If you look at his legal team, it is comically inept and inexperienced. All of the big names who defended him through the first two impeachments, uh, through the, the Mueller investigation, they are gone. Uh, there is real concern that he needs to bring in a heavy-hitting criminal he defense attorney. Well, he's been asking. I mean, I know of several that have been approached who have said no. I even know of one prominent uh, criminal defense attorney who was approached who didn't even return the phone call. Uh, so he and, and, and this raises another question, George, is the idea of Donald Trump running for president again and being the front-runner for the Republican nominee. Will, will Republicans be comfortable uh, supporting a candidate who cannot even hire a, a criminal defense attorney? Uh, you know, that, that I, is mean, a, I mean, that is a remarkable statement. Now, folks, I, I, I also will say now that the raid was August 8th. We're, we're going on. It's been three weeks now. Uh, this will be week four. Regardless of what you think, if he cannot do an interview, I, 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 it is limited how effective he can be if he cannot do interviews and right now prior to this he could prior to this he was doing the rallies i i'm not i don't know what to make of the whole thing there's supposedly some a rally coming up labor day he's going to be back out on the campaign trail um I, I i'm not sure what to make of this because you haven't even seen him with hannity haven't even seen him on the phone with hannity i i want to go to this exchange yesterday senator roy blunt was asked should he have turned over the documents for for those that are you know this is all biden i i can't stand this this notion of rogue fbi agents i just don't believe that that's fabricated i will say this the people and I, i've said this in the past the people surrounding the president president trump has not been working as effectively as he has in the past since the november election since the november 2020 election he just hasn't and some of the stuff that is said by Don Jr., I don't think it's helpful. I think it's tone deaf for Don Jr. to say, yeah, he's got the nuclear codes. That's a good thing. That There's nothing positive about that. There's nothing funny about that. Putting out a picture of his crotch with a redacted. I, 
they don't i don't know what to make of it they don't seem to be taking it seriously and as i've told you that christina bobbitt is as they as john Cro comically inept john solomon he doesn't know what he's talking about that guy tom fitton these people they don't know what they're talking about they have no skin in the game that when when if the patriots if it's fourth and two you know do you see belichick going up to the fifth row of the stands asking some fans sitting there what do you guys think should we should we go for it should we run should we pass like should we punt i mean th this is I, i'll i'll and then never mind you know giuliani was in the mix after the 2020 election and he's in a lot of trouble but i want you to listen to senator roy blunt because the more we have learned and i also want people to understand no one is having to retract anything a lot of the information that's coming out, people can scream fake news all they want. No one's denying it. And there are, there are no, you know, there's no uh, print of they, they, you know, have to go back and do an apology or make a correction or anything remotely close to this. So I want you to listen to uh, Roy Blunt on with Stephanopoulos. Uh, former President Trump in Pierre's piece saying he did nothing wrong. Do you agree with that? Was he right to take these documents to Mar-a-Lago? Well, I think we need to know more about the documents. One of the things I was concerned about when I heard about this uh, so-called raid or, or seizing these documents uh, was... Uh, uh, why hadn't the Intelligence Committee that I've been on for my time in the Senate and time in the House, why hadn't we heard anything about this? In fact, if the administration was concerned that there was a national security problem, uh, I got immediately involved with uh, Chairman Warner and uh, Vice Chairman Rubio and said, we need to get a letter out right now to the Justice Department and the Director of National Intelligence say, if there really is a problem, why haven't you told us about that problem? That hasn't happened yet, but the uh, Director of National Intelligence announced, I think on Friday, that she's going to be briefing the committee soon, and then we'll know what the problem is. But I will say this, we hadn't been told there was a problem, and if this has been but, going but, on but, but months, Senator, that, that, that's, there that's was a problem. Point. The Oversight Committee should have been told. That, that's a fair point, and we'll find out why they weren't or what was going on. It was probably to protect the criminal investigation. But, but setting that aside, whether or not these documents were classified, was it right for the president to take these government documents, which he's supposed to turn over to the National Archives, down to Mar-a-Lago? It was, you should be very careful with classified documents. I've been, had access to documents like that for a long time. I'm incredibly careful. I was wondering as I was listening to that discussion if the same things were said uh, when Secretary Clinton had documents, when Director Comey had documents. They had them on the internet, which is much more dangerous than having them in a box somewhere, but everybody needs to be more careful about how these documents well, are Well, Senator, you're still we not answering. be sure we don't characterize them differently. Well, you're still not, you're not answering the question. You were critical of Senator Clinton, who actually turned over uh, what she had, turned over all her devices. What we have here is a situation where the president did not turn over uh, these documents. Can you say whether that was right or, or right or wrong? Do you believe it was right for the president to take those documents to Mar-a-Lago? He should have turned the documents over and apparently had turned a number of documents over. George, what I wonder about is why this could go on for almost two years and less than 100 days before the election, suddenly we're talking about this rather than the economy or... You know, that puts the, uh, the DOJ in a, in a can't-win situation because if, if they had done this right away, they would have been accused of an overreaction. Folks, the more we've learned, they've, they've gone, they went to great efforts to try to get this information. And, it, it, you know, it comes back to... Listen, President Trump is the one on the hook on this whole thing. And you could easily say, and I'm hearing people say, he's getting bad advice from people. And I mean, that that is true, as a matter of fact. But this was going on for, for 20 months. They were trying to get this stuff. I, I also, I don't believe, I'm going to play Lindsey Graham with this, this business of there will be riots in the streets. If he, I, I don't, I don't believe that. Um, I, I want to, you know, I'll cover that if it happens, but I, I, I don't, I don't, there's going to be riots in the streets. Lindsey Graham predicts riots. I'll play that sound. I think some of these legal teams scrambling to find an argument that, that, that's, that's a better one.
Um, I, I, I just the whole thing is is puzzling to say the least. Right? I mean, it's just absolutely puzzling to say the least. Now, I saw there was a good timeline of the events that give you an idea of this is this was not a rash decision. Um, as I have also mentioned, I have a problem with the way this whole thing was, you know, 20 month fight to try to get this information back. It, it just it doesn't stand to reason why whoever was telling him you don't have to give that stuff stuff back you know you can blame them but th- this is serious this is absolutely serious how long it was taking um and 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 this is a, a difficult situation for the department of justice so i don't the more we have learned in not getting straight answers and you know how some people might think that this is all just the biden's and this is i i even if that were accurate which i i don't think it is i i no one has come up with a reason and and the reasons that we're hearing of why the documents were not given back are not what i would call credible where suddenly they're, they're just making this stuff up that that he declassified it and so therefore he you know he could do it um i don't believe that someone else said to me uh well you know the secret service is there right but their job is to protect the president not things that aren't supposed to belong to him that are there um this seems to be absolutely a total avoidable situation or could have been and there 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 also may not be charges here but the most important thing was to get back the classified information and you know folks you have to be objective somewhat i mean does christina bobbitt does that does that does she strike you as someone who's competent who you would i i I just i i don't understand any of it it's very puzzling this business of riots in the streets i i don't i don't buy that i don't believe that I mean, unless they want another January 6th. Let me play. This is Lindsey Graham. Say this. If there's a prosecution of Donald Trump for mishandling classified information after the Clinton debacle, which you presided over and did a hell of a good job, there'll be riots in the streets. I, I don't believe say that. This. I don't believe if that. I know he's saying that. I Who who is going to go and riot? I want to hear. This is uh, Dan Abrams. Um that they also this week with Stephanopoulos. Uh, no doubt you would have been prosecuted based on assuming intentionality, as Dan has said, and I would have been too um, uh, if I had taken these kind of documents when I left the department. But I do think that, um, you know, we there's still the investigation is still ongoing. The, as, as Pierre indicated in the opening, there is still the potential for other criminal confederates and other information. And so, you know, we don't want to jump too far ahead. It's a I do think it matters if this is the present, though. It's, yeah, it, it, I'm sorry. No, go, go ahead. Finish your point. Oh, I was just saying, with respect to your question about does it matter that it's the former president? Yes, of course it does. This is super sensitive. It has ramifications beyond just criminal prosecution. It has already, of course, the president, the former president's allies are calling it, you know, a political gamesmanship. Of course, you know, if you look at the actual evidence that we can see in the affidavit and you look at the facts that seem to be uncontested, it doesn't look political to most objective observers, but that doesn't mean that it won't be called that. And these are things that the department has to really take seriously and also has to consider what this means for the future. Um, that doesn't mean I think that there won't be indictment. I just don't know. Uh, but I think it, the fact that this is a former president is very significant. It's also significant that there's a national security interest here. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you investigation. about. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. It's a crime to keep any government documents after you leave government service. But what about the fact that so many of them were labeled, were classified, so many of them were even top secret, 25 documents top secret we've heard this argument from some of the president's allies his lawyers didn't make it they had this blanket authority to declassify all documents 
Well, two points on that. One is that in the unredacted portions of the affidavit, we see that that argument was, uh, some of that argument was presented to the judge before he signed the search warrant. The argument was made that the president has the authority uh, to declassify documents that because there was an attached letter from the president's lawyer advising the Department of Justice of that and asking the Department of Justice to present that to the judge. And then there was also um, a reference to Cash Patel, one of the former president's senior aides, saying he had, in fact, declassified everything. So that argument, in short, was presented to the judge who still signed the warrant. But to your to your other point, there is a whole separate interest here in protecting national security. And that's why the director of national intelligence announced a day or two ago that the intelligence community will launch a full assessment of the national security, potential national security harm from these documents. That means not only uh, how sensitive are they if they were to get into the hands of people unauthorized to have them, it means, do we have confidential human sources at risk? Do we have intelligent co intelligence collection methods at risk that our adversaries might now be able to, to learn about if they obtain these documents? So quite apart from the criminal investigation, there's an enormous interest in figuring out who had access to these. This is a, this is a, a location where apparently these, this national defense information was scored stored willy-nilly in various places in at Mar-a-Lago, places that potentially visitors to Mar-a-Lago, including foreign visitors, could have had access. You know, that is just such an unforced era. Um, I, I, again, I'm not going to be a broken record here, folks. It's Sean DePietro. I don't get it. Uh, other than it sounds like like that Cash Patel and John Solomon and the, these people telling him, oh, no, you you can keep them. I, I don't uh they they didn't obviously did, didn't know what they were talking about. So all right, we're going to talk um, obviously a lot about local politics and what's happening with that. And then also I'll fill you in. Uh, there was an arrest in the murder of of poor little Maya. So a lot more ahead on this Monday on the John DePietro show. J Perry Paving, folks, you can depend on J Perry Paving. They provide high quality, fair pricing, exceptional service over twenty years experience specializing in commercial paving, residential paving, seal coating patios, and much more. Call them today for a free quote, 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving. They are tremendous. They also, how about this, once a month, they provide a free paved driveway to a veteran. And remember, whether it's a brand new paving project or just a cracked driveway that needs to be refreshed, Call J. Perry Paving for a free quote. It makes a huge difference in your property, in your home, in your driveway or patio. 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving. 401-732-1730. You can also find them on Facebook. They're terrific. Hey, get that driveway paved. Call and book an appointment now. 401-732-1730 for J. Perry Paving to the john DePietro show it's am 1380 99.9 fm remember you can always listen online at our website dipietro.com folks visit the website on the website you'll see all our links to social media whether it's facebook or youtube instagram even tiktok plus you if you want to reach me that's the best way to do it we have unique original stories videos content log on right at the website dipietro.com Propane Plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs. Call them 401-885-4209. In Massachusetts, you can reach them at 508-252-3359. Propane, heating and cooling, it's Propane Plus. Their team's been there three generations. They're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they plan on serving you for a long time to come. They offer online billing, ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button, and remember, all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment. It's Propane Plus, and remember with Propane, it's affordable, sustainable, equitable, good for the environment, and now it's renewable. Call Propane Plus today at 401 401- 885-4209 in massachusetts call them at 508-252-3359 they're very easy to navigate website it's propaneplus.com propane plus call them 401-885-4209 folks you are listening to the john DePietro show weekdays we start at 11 we go until 2 it's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, to It's time for our segment, 
politics this week. Joining us, he is the managing editor for AnchorRising.com. It's Justin Dabson. Justin, I want to start off. Well, I want to give them credit. Uh, the Providence Journal, I, I've often wondered this whole business that this he was described, introduced, uh, pamphlets. Anytime he was described in the media, it was this Dr. Louis Monez. And he ran for governor 2018, got 1% of the vote. This time decides to run as a Democrat. He has been included in forums and most recently a radio debate where he kept being introduced to refer to as Dr. Dr. Monez. Um, I give credit there. They're not making a big deal of it. But the fact of the matter is he's he's actually not a doctor. Uh, he does not have a license to practice medicine. He went to school. He went to med school. Um, not sure exactly what was the culmination of that. But I'm just curious your thoughts that here we are this far into the campaign. And finally now, as we are two days away from early voting, it is discovered that he is not, in fact, and should never be addressed as Dr. Louis Monez. Well, it's an interesting uh, question. I mean, the, the the honorific of doctor has been been somewhat diminished, particularly among, say, Democrats in the left wing. I mean, Dr. Jill Biden, right? She has a PhD, I think, and that's why they call her doctor. I mean, there's sure. a lot of there's a lot of that that goes on. My understanding is he started his residency and decided he just didn't want to go through all of the uh, all of the trouble of of doing residency and gaining his certification his his official um, designated practicing doctor. Uh, but it is it is interesting that it takes so much time. I remember um, not long ago, uh, and of course, I'm blanking on his name. There was a, a local doctor, not practicing doctor, let his license lapse, who was arguing against the uh, against the COVID uh, vaccinations and all the hysteria. And there's a lot of challenge of whether he was really a doctor. So I guess it whether you're called doctor, it really is. I mean, they call him honorifics for a reason. Because they're just, you know, if you want to elevate somebody, you, you call them doctor. What struck me, though, about the, the Providence Journal of articles, it, other than, I mean, it kind of gave that information, but it wasn't in a skeptical way. It was in a no. very, very kind of friendly, oh, yes, he's, you know, you know doctor, doctor, whatever. He, he's a he's a strong hearted guy, wants to do good, came up from nothing. Um, it just his treatment, even the headline, he's used to being an underdog. Well, you know, one percent of the vote. I'm not sure that even counts as underdog, right? right. I mean, underdog has a chance. Uh, so it's just the, the the kind of the glowing profile. And it occurred to me, it's very much in keeping with a lot of what we've been talking about, yes. how, how our system cannot generate competent people. Because if you're competent, you've done work, you've actually done something in the world, you could, run, you could plausibly run a state government, you'll be teared, torn apart. So you really have to want to do it, uh, especially if you're a conservative in Rhode Island. And you really have to want to be in there and do some good because you, it's going to be a hit to your reputation. Whereas he gets these glowing profiles, whatever, Dr. Yonas, yeah, whatever. Um, that is really a lot of incentive for people along those lines. I think also, say, David Siegel, Regenberg, basically Tierra Mac, all the progressives, they get glowing reviews. They can do no wrong. And so that alone is reason to run, right? It's incentive for people like that to be running for office because they'll get some attention. Uh, whereas people who, who've maybe done some stuff and, and actually engaged in the world and, and had some success, not so much. They're, they're kind of, their incentive is all to stay out of it. Well, and not only that, Justin, um, they want him to be a doctor. If if this let's let's say if Ashley Kalis, the Republican nominee, if she was using the term doctor, oh my God! I mean the outrage and the fact they'd be digging into this, and I'm sure they would have checked on that much more. Uh, I view it as you know they they he basically got a free pass anytime he's been identified as Doctor Louis Monez. Um, it, it it was fraudulent. He's he's not. And, and even at different times, they've even, you know, kind of um, deferred to him as if he would almost be like the expert in the medical field. Um, he does not have a license to practice medicine. Even then it was you're right. It was soft pedaled saying, well, but it's kind of complicated. It, it's the first time we've heard that. I don't know exactly what he does do something about blockchain for super crying out loud. But he certainly is not a doctor. He shouldn't be identified as doctor um 
I, I think he's another creation that they wanted him to be this guy from Central Falls who happens to be a doctor and look at this, look how amazing he is. He's also running for governor. He's, he's actually, you know, he's not. And I don't think that title um, it should be applied in that situation. I'd be curious of going forward if it would be because technically um, he, he does, does not have that. I'm also uh, curious your thoughts that we learned over the weekend that Governor McKee in his office announced that he has COVID. Now, I'm always skeptical of, about something like this, especially he finally pulled ahead in, in the latest poll. He's got quite a bit of money. Um, I, I Just what do, what do you make of the governor? So now he's going to be, you know, out of sight, off the campaign trail for, you know, at least possibly this week. But what do you make of the pronouncement that Governor McKee uh, has COVID? Well, that's an interesting. I I hadn't considered that that it could just be an excuse not to be doing any well, press. Gina Raimondo is in today, and yeah, that would be awkward. On why you know they're not on the best terms, so why would he not be going to East Providence? Maybe to avoid them having to ask. Uh, you know, so are you supporting him and? In the primary, uh, I just as soon as I saw he announced it, I immediately thought, all right, there's bad news coming. He wants to lay low. Maybe it's not bad news, but he definitely doesn't want to be caught where then he has to go and be seen, you know, with her and then her getting questions about him. That that was my reaction to it. So why not just, uh, mm-hmm. you know, many people, it's become the new, you know, my uh, my car won't start or, you know, my dog died or. My grandmother died. I mean, for some people, I have COVID has become the new go-to excuse to get out of any type of event, really, because you just say you did a test at home. You got to be careful, and it buys you a couple of days to just stay out of sight. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. I, I remember when I was a teenager, and, and if the girls we were hanging out with didn't want to go to work, they'd call in and tell their boss they had female issues. It's something like that, right? It's, sure. And COVID's gotten like that. It's yes. gotten to be essentially a cold. So nobody, it's no longer the big panic. Oh my goodness, are you okay? Uh, unless you're as frail as, say, President Biden. But um, so yeah, it's, it is a it is a good excuse. Uh, I mean, just uh, you know the that that's where my mind goes. Is this? It's just become this mild thing and yet we're still kind of treating it like like the plagueish there are still people walking around with masks there's still colleges and universities are still requiring booster shots it just the, the whole thing it brings you brings it back to that for me but the that that actually is very much in keeping with the idea that it could just become the the latest excuse i don't want to go to the party i have covid you know or w- whatever it might be um because it doesn't have the stigma, it doesn't have the fear that it did, which which is a good thing, I guess. We should be positive about that, but it does remind us how much damage we did, especially to younger folks, uh, for, for the sake of that virus. It could be an excuse to get out of a debate as well. With yeah, true, good point. If you don't want to debate. Let's stay with Dr. Moniz. Well, now I'm saying it. Uh, Louis Moniz, <laughs> for a moment. Uh, just to guess, what is your reaction and thought on Channel 12 has announced they are excluding him from the debate, they set a threshold. You have to have a certain percentage in both fundraising and polling at a certain percentage. Well, you know, that to me is reasonable. You've, you've got to do the work to be, to gain place on a stage. I mean, ultimately the, the news media is supposed to be serving the public, right? So they're, they're supposed to be crafting these things in such a way as to, to inform uh, people as the vote nears. And if you've got somebody who's, who, kind of they managed to get on the ballot is basically all they've done then you know they they could very much be a distraction and not and and thwart the idea of providing information about the candidates who actually can uh, could become governor governor sorry but it would what strikes me most of all with that is the complete lack of of debates polls etc of anybody who's republican um, the WPRI had a debate of the lieutenant governor primary. Well, they're they're on the Democrat side. Well, there are Republicans. Two more than there are two Republicans, I believe, in the lieutenant governor race on a Repub- on that side. Why not a debate there? So it's it just seems kind of the part of that progressive privilege. I deserve to be on the stage, um, but you know it's it's a re- reasonable to have a threshold. Where you set that threshold, I you know I, I think having more than you know more more than and more than one percent 
uh, if your if your vote total is well, that poll is five percent margin for error. If your if your polling is is less than one fifth of the margin of error, yeah, maybe maybe you know you, you haven't earned stage space. At the end of the day, there was a radio debate last week. Monez was included. He talked the most of anyone. And the problem, I agree with you, is someone like Governor McKee was more than content to sit back and let this guy interrupt, talk a lot. And basically, that's just he's running out the clock is what he's doing. I think it's a good thing. Channel 10 should not allow him there. Uh, Some of them, whether it's someone like that who ran four years ago, should not be running for governor this time. I mean, again, it's a free country. You can do whatever he wants. But they think in their mind, I think, that they, they're going to have this incredible performance that then catapults them to the lead. So they go in with like a, a lottery ticket approach. Uh, there are some of the independent people that they want the rules bent. Uh, I'm an independent. We don't have any money. We don't have any staff. So therefore, everyone has to cater to us. That's, that's just not the way the system works. Uh, there are new people to the system, and they cater to it come on we have an established form that we do it you get your name out there you come up with some issues and then if what you're doing garners support outside of family and friends then you know then more people will gravitate towards you but i i think it's a good thing i think channel 10 should exclude him not include him and it was a mistake to have him it was a waste to have him in the radio debate where he like i said he kept interrupting let alone they kept referring to him as all right doctor hold on <laughs> kept referring to him with a title he doesn't even frankly have um i i think it's a good thing and i don't have a problem with with the the general debates if they decide we're not just gonna fill the stage with anyone that managed to somehow get their name on the ballot there's there's more to it than that there's too much at stake. And, and for me, Governor McKee was more than happy to have this guy involved because every time yeah, he's uh, talking, right, someone else isn't talking and McKee doesn't have to talk. Right, exactly. Especially to the extent they're not going after each other. I mean, like Cynthia Mendez in the lieutenant governor debate was, was actually pretty aggressive against the others, yeah, which you, you don't want them there. But if it's going to be a, a, a relatively friendly guy who's just going to talk a lot, yeah, go for it. Let him on the stage. But I think, you know, that, that whole impetus, the uh, impulse to, to let all, everybody in and always talk and, hey, we don't have a lot of money. We need the free publicity. You, you know, <laughs> let's remember that, especially in that race, we're talking about somebody who's going to have to be able to the chief executive of a state of a million people. I mean, this isn't, if you can't garner a little bit of support, five, 10%, you know, if you can't raise some money, I mean, those things show a organizational understanding. Yes. And if you don't know how to do that, that's a, that's a sign that you, you shouldn't be running the state. Right. And that's a, it's also a sign that the news media and everybody else shouldn't be putting out, you know, laying the path for you to, to, fulfill the whole thing as you you know get your ego fulfilling articles and of state's papers and stuff like that i mean that's we we really i think need to bring it back to that as a, as a state this idea that the people we have in office should be able to run things that's why they're there i mean we yes. don't and i think that gets lost a lot it's sort of like the, the biggest example for me in rhode island are this are school committees because i think most people think they're uh, parent teacher organizations but they're not they're running a tens of millions of dollars of a budget and negotiating contracts with the largest special interest in the state. This is not just the nice lady down the street because she likes kids. I mean, this is, this is serious business and it goes right up to the governor and we've had problems with this all along. I mean, we we've been talking since before Alorza was, was elected as mayor of Providence. Who is he? Where, where does he get this competence from? I mean, what is, what is, what has he ever done that shows he could run a state? At least he ran a, a, reasonable campaign right and he won so that's something but for for candidates who who can't even garner a little bit of support as you say outside their friends and family yeah that's a sign yeah sorry we're what what early voting starts in a few days maybe it's time to winnow it down so that people can actually pay attention to the people who who they have they may actually choose folks quick break much more ahead politics this week justin katz managing editor anchorising.com right here on the john DePietro show The next time you have an emergency, head straight to AtMed Urgent Care. 
Two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Suite 122 in Johnston, or East Greenwich 5750 Post Road. AtMed Urgent Care, urgent health care facility providing comprehensive outpatient health care to individuals, families, specializing in ambulatory medicine, diagnostic treatment service, AtMed Urgent Care. They provide immunization, school, sports physicals. They're a cost-efficient healthcare alternative to hospital-based emergencies. They're open seven days a week, walk-in routine urgent care, minor surgical, orthopedic and trauma, work-related injuries, physical exams, drug testing, full laboratory services, and with AtMed Urgent Care, they offer mononuclear antibody infusions. You, someone in your family suffering from covid you want to go straight to AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, Johnston, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Suite 122, or East Greenwich, 5750 Post Road, online at atmedurgentcare.net. Our segment is Politics This Week. With me is Justin Katz, managing editor at AnchorRising.com. Well, Justin, Channel 12 did come out with a poll uh, for the first time, I believe. Well, it's still very, very close. No one at 30%. Governor McKee, though, in the lead. Nellie Gobea, right behind him. Curious your thoughts on Helena Folk spent an awful lot of money, but was completely cannot reach the 20% threshold. Uh, stuck at like 14%. Matt Brown, way, still way, way down, single digits. And then Luis Monez at 1%. But just what do you make of uh, your thoughts on that Channel 12 poll? Well, well, actually, folks, um, compared to the WPRI poll in May, folks was up from 6% then. So she was actually trailing Brown at that point. Now, so she's at least in double digits. It's, so it's some motion. But apart from that, you know, what, what strikes me most of all is how little things are moving. I mean, McKee's up from 25 to 28. Corbea is up to 25 from 22. I mean, there's not a lot of motion here, a lot, not a lot of people being persuaded. And I think people are just, I mean, Ted Nisi called it in his re- recent column, uh, indifferent. Other people are saying people are, uh, some of the some of the excuses the supposed expert analysts are making are, are pretty pathetic. Oh, everybody's in a good mood. COVID's over, they're enjoying their summer. Yeah, I'm not sure that's it. I think people just don't, they're not seeing anything that impresses them. No, no, None of the, and we see this in the, the media coverage and the debates. There's not a lot of difference distance between the the candidates as a as a function of of policy. They're all kind of milk toast. They're not. None of them inspire much confidence, uh, and none of them are taking any any kind of risks that might show some some leadership. And so, you know, what's the point? You know, they. I, I take it as a sign that Rhode Islanders, we're just not getting options. So who cares which of these three? I mean, apart from Mount Brown, who'd, do a, who'd probably do a whole lot of damage as governor. Apart from him, who cares? You know, I mean, it's all, we're probably going to get the same kind of level of corruption. I mean, we've got Gorbea, you know, using the, the misclean secretary of state using uh, sneaky tactics to, to tell activists how to spend money on her campaign. You know, that th- there's no reason to, to become, to be excited about any of these and so they're not moving and my, my second impression was so mckee went up from 25 to 28 after tens of scores maybe hundreds of millions of dollars of promises to special interests and he yeah. got himself another three percent i mean that tells you something right there and uh, i mean if you look at the, the the demographic breakdowns it looks to me like he did just he bought himself a bunch of uh construction worker union votes yeah, and that's, that's about all he's done um so it's but it's it's that's a lot of money to spend for a three percent increase in your in your vote total. Ian, all you know, he doesn't. Uh, Governor McKee does not do any press conferences. All he does is he will sometimes, you know, he'll chat really quickly with the media, following ribbon cutting, announcement of this or that, giving out more funds. Um, everything he does, he does it under the guise of, of he believes it'll be positive press because they're going to some kind of an announcement. That is debatable sometimes whether or not that whole momentum tour, uh, but it is the first time that he's seen the lead, and it should be very telling. And I'm glad you noticed that because what's missing from all these announcements when they're saying, and he got this endorsement, he got that endorsement, what people need to understand is these are not coming for free. The question is, what's the IOU attached to it? And the fact that the laborers have come in big and they're ready to spend a lot of money on him, 
there's obviously something in the pipeline. If I can win this, win the general, you're going to get this, you're going to get that. It becomes a wish list. Uh, the person in power seemingly is more the ability to make those promises. And, and or we could say that Grobeyan folks are, are not willing to, to get on that path. But I have, a, I have a feeling that he's kind of stealing the thunder saying, like, I'll make a deal right now. I could do something right now while I am in office and have the office. It's going to be very, very expensive for us um, if, in fact, he, he does win the primary. Justin Katz, what do you make of uh, Grobeyan folks? I mean, now there's starting to be an argument. Pablo Rodriguez came out and said that folks, you know, needs to leave the race. It needs to just be one woman uh, matched up against McKee. Now, there's there is a path for all three of them, simply because when you have 20 percent undecided, the undecideds traditionally and generally always break for the newcomer. The question is if the newcomer would be Helena folks or the newcomer would be Nellie Gorbea. But um, and, and the two of them definitely seem to think that if they could hurt the other, uh, that that would benefit them. So there's something to it that they both eye each other as if I could knock her down, you know, that I could gain. But I'm I'm still shocked that we have not seen all these negative ads against Governor McKee because he certainly has given those that want to enough material to go after him. Right. I, you know, I, I think the analysis of the left wingers, I think they're blinded by their, their identity politics. I'm not so sure uh, folks is taking the women who, who are voting or aligning for folks are women who want to vote for Gorbea. I think she may have those. I mean, if you look at McKee actually does has more female votes than folks does um although folks has more female than male but i my sense just looking at the breakdowns i think we'd find that a lot of the f- women who are choosing folks over gorbea are are more and probably more business oriented more you know maybe a little bit more conservative probably somewhat older uh, and that's that's mckee voters not not gorbea voters so i i suspect they would find a folks bumped out that it would be a net gain for McKee. I think she's she's holding him down a bit from at least from breaking the 30% mark. So I'm not so sure that just because they're both women, she's stealing a vote. And that's in contrast, I think, in, in Congressional District 2, where the they're Joy Fox and Morgenthau, I think that is just splitting women votes. Uh, yeah. Um, Neither of them has very much anyway, and it wouldn't make any difference. But um, I think that's a situation where it is just about the gender. Whereas in this case, I think that the the candidates are well enough, folks, Gorbea, McKee, they're well enough to find and, and at least well enough known that the 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 female vote is not simply going based on gender. So I just think that's that's not a, an accurate assessment, but it shows you how how out there the left wingers are and how how much they really do believe uh, this this sort of hocus pocus of identity politics. And Justin, not only that, I want to come back to it again, folks. Our segment is politics as we put Justin gets. I, I think you actually framed it perfectly. It is what they don't even fully get is that they're they're all basically saying the same thing. It's just like a little bit different, but it's really not that much different compared with there's no one coming out with programs, at least not aggressively and not yet. But Ashley Kalis does stand the best hope of being the one to step up and really come up with some things that that would be different, that is different from what, what they're promising, what they're saying, uh, even in Gorbea, one of her commercials, I'll have to go back and look at it, but she mentions she protected, protected Rhode Island from Trump voters. Like, what is that even supposed to mean? Um, he didn't, are, are they intimating that if not for her, that he would have won Rhode Island? It's just, I think it, it's what we've talked about is it's all kind of pretty much from the same script. So now, if everyone's basically the same, now you just, you know, looking at who you're more comfortable with, maybe what name jumps out. I think the person that it, it has obviously hurt the most is Helena Folk, simply because she has the least name recognition. She doesn't hold office. Um, she has come out with a message that it's like just a little bit of a different version. And they won't criticize, you know, they won't criticize the $3,000 bonuses I'm shocked that none of the Democrats are bringing out the fact that Governor McKee is still under an FBI probe, 
the problems he had with his chief of staff, Tony Silva, uh, the way that he flip-flops on things, all the promises. I, um, I, I think the, the other candidates have no one to blame but themselves because of kind of pretty poor, you know, part of a campaign is you have to contrast what, what, how you're different from the other person. And the real truth is there doesn't seem to be that much difference than, than the other person. Right. Right. And, and I mean, you raise a great point. Why, at this point, especially, McKee has already bought those special interest votes. Yeah. He's already bought them with our money. Yeah. So, so go, you know, speak against it. <laughs> you, I mean, there, there is a way to finesse it. You don't have to be a raging anti-unionist like me to, to run out there and, and criticize the governor for, for selling vote, selling, selling Rhode Island for votes. I mean, that's a strong criticism you can make. And at this point, you're not getting the union vote. They're already bought. That's how it right. works. They're, get, they're already going to get that postcard. They're already going to get visited visited by that ballot harvester, that that deal is signed. So so take a little bit of a risk. That's what's been really kind of shocking. And it just the, the lack of any any ability to take a risk uh, and, and assert some reality in from my point of view anyway, to 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 criticize the governor. To, there, there's just not, I don't know. It's it's like they're they just don't want to disrupt their little Democrat club. That's the yes. that's the highest priority. They want to be able to they they want to be able to virtue signal on the on the social issues. They all want to be on board for for abortion. They all want to support the party. They don't want to cross that line. But at that point, you know that the Democrats have run this state for for decades and look where we are there's you you've got to find something else and so all they have really is is just marginal differences in in specific policies to the extent they're even offering policies it's really just a vote of of personalities and it's it's not really again it's it's not really how you would select competent people to run a state it's kind of like how you would select a palm a prom queen or king right the, the safe the kind of all right yeah i kind of like him a little more than her or whatever uh, he has a kind of a business aura about him whatever i don't know what he's actually done folks yeah she was in business i so it's so it's such a kind of superficial level and i think that's why you see indifference because nobody can tell the difference and they'll probably go in and you know almost flip a coin Eh, whatever this one they're all the same well, well um, I'm going to touch on that in a moment. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorising.com, right here on the John DePietro Show. The Senadale Revival. Stop it and see them. Comfort food and cocktails. You're going to love the Senadale Revival. Located 2025 Smith Street, North Providence, right in Senadale, right across from North Providence Town Hall, Delicious food, delicious drinks, live entertainment on the weekends. Shane and his crew, they're waiting for you. A great time is going to be had by all at the Senadale Revival, 2025 Smith Street in North Providence. <laughs> 